0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is Monday, February 7th, 2022, and you are listening to episode 131 of the Can I Say Something podcast, your host and recluse with a juicy caboose, Damien. Joining me today
1: is the guest with a lot of class and a nice ass, Derek. Derek. <laughs>
0: Today See, I told you I'd come yeah, up with one That's very, that's nice, very good, I like it <laughs> Today on the show We'll be discussing what we've been watching Including spoilers for everything involved We've got Oscar Contenders, Nightmare Alley The Tragedy of Macbeth Passing, and then moving on to a review Of the new Sean Baker film, Red Rocket Right into the show, bicycle gmail.com Bicycle on Twitter, subscribe and add to Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, rate and review it On Apple Podcasts, Till a friend Family member or stranger, what's up, man How you doing?
1: Doing well, doing well, uh, you know, I think both of us just finished watching this movie, so I'm, I'm still processing it, Jeez. I just like literally finished it, and yeah. opened my, <laughs> got my microphone yeah. plugged in and everything, so I'm still thinking about that movie, man.
0: <laughs> it's all fucked up, but we'll, we'll get to right? that, yeah, oh we'll get God. to that, yeah. Um. So how have you been, I've been about two weeks since the last podcast, uh, how how you doing?
1: Doing well, yeah, just uh, taking it easy, you know, um, yeah, yeah, Things. Things are going well out here in Southern California.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> over here we got windy, an East Coast. It's windy. Oh, it's windy. Oh, yeah, sorry. If anybody,
1: yeah, if anybody out here knows, the Santa Anas are back. So they oh, did a shit. whole song about it on, the, on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So oh. people with allergies are, are uh, It's yeah, the devil yeah. wins.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The East Coast has like snow. Like you know, six months of the mm-hmm. year is snow. And that's about it. Like I saw a ticked out the other yeah. day if somebody was like, you know, shoveling their driveway, uh, you know, getting the ice off their car, struggling, fighting with it. And just like, we don't have earthquakes. We don't have deadly uh, avalanches. We don't have, uh, you know, alligators. We don't have uh, typhoons, tornadoes. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Because it's true right, like the East Coast you know New England yeah. is just like you know not, none of that like I think we had one tornado like thirty years ago. um hurricanes usually taper out by the time they get up here, so it's like you know all of the natural disasters all of the environmental you know problems that a lot of the country has lot of the world has you know we're pretty much pretty much secluded up here as far as that goes
1: yeah that's it's, it's funny because you know like I've lived out here my whole life, so i'm just, I'm used to the earthquakes, you know like i I knew somebody from Florida and they there was like an earthquake was happening and they just lived here for a couple of months. What the hell's going on? I was just like, it's what? Like not, this is, this is a thing that happens. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, this is normal. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I went, I, I, took a vacation to uh, Taiwan and Japan a few years ago, about 10 years ago, actually now. Um, Yeah, we were in like a very tall building, very tall uh, hotel, and you could feel it like an earthquake happens. You just like start rocking back and forth and like, holy shit, what is happening? It's a very, very disturbing feeling if you've never had it before.
1: Yeah, we're used to it out here. I, sl- I sleep through m- three quarters of the earthquakes that happen. You yeah, really? The, uh- Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, but let's get into what we've been watching. I got a whole bunch of stuff on here. Uh, one thing that you watched last week that I caught up on just now was Nightmare Alley. Obviously, uh mm-hmm. directed by Mr. Gilmore... Gilmore? Gilmore? <laughs> Gilmore Del Toro. Guillermo. 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 The, get the L in there. Got to roll the R in there. <laughs> uh, so we have a whole bunch of people. Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Richard, Richard Jenkins. A lot of his... um I guess Richard, Richard Jenkins is now in his crew now after... Um, was Shape of Water a few years ago? Uh, mm-hmm. Ron Perlman's been in there a couple times, but a few new faces in here. Um, This was okay. I felt like this was like aggressively okay. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking last time about just movies that have won Best Picture or are nominated for Best Picture, and how so many of them are just like gone now from the from the public consciousness. And I do feel like this is going to be one of them if it does win. It's I think it's up there with. um with Belfast, with some other movies that are pretty much guaranteed to, to at least be nominated, right, with uh, things like um, Power of the Dog. Are definitely up there, almost guaranteed to be nominated. So this is, I think this is unfortunately going to be one of those just like comes and goes. And you know, really interestingly shot movies. I think that's what I can say about Del Toro's movies. They're always interestingly shot. Always have a very distinct feel and style to them, which is the thing I took away from this mostly. Um, I feel like Bradley Cooper is just like trying to be that guy, <laughs> trying to be that like you know noir detective dude, and he does give off that that appearance. But I feel like I can feel him trying be there you know
1: what i mean i i really really liked him in this i, I like yeah. the movie overall i thought you yeah. could probably trim 10 minutes from the ending i think the mm. ending kind of yes. drags a bit yes but i i, I I'm, I'm i feel like it's right there on the the cusp where it might get nominated it might not you know it's been nominated for some of the awards but some of them left off yeah um yeah like i, I it wasn't in my top five or anything but i did enjoy it a lot but i think this is probably my favorite bradley cooper performance if i'm being mm. honest i really liked him in this
0: Interesting. Also, uh, uh, the what was he in um, the uh, what was that remake with him and Lady Lady Gaga?
1: Um, oh, uh, uh, B- B- uh, *Stars Born*. He was great in that too. He was great yeah. in that too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah I,
0: that's, like he-
1: yeah. I think he really just like he's just such a like desperate character. He's just got this thing where he's like doing like three levels where he's like he's like oh yeah he's ex- like has this c- extreme confidence to him, but you can yeah. tell he's actually super insecure underneath that. So mm. it just. I don't know. It was just, I saw, thought such an interesting performance, and he's just like grappling, and he, you can tell he's like afraid of losing it all at any second. And just, I, I really, really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a very good, very good movie overall. Um, I felt like Rooney Mara was giving a performance, and I don't have it pulled up here. But let me see if I can think of what it, what it was I was comparing her to. Um, very like soft, wavy, like it reminded me of somebody. I wish I had pulled it up, but uh, she, her, her performance reminded me of another performance I saw. Fairly recently, but uh, yeah, really good performance by her. I always enjoy seeing her yeah. on screen. But yeah, yeah, just just fine. <laughs> like a three yeah. and a half uh, out of five, I would say. Uh, but one thing I really, really did like, I put it on my number uh, six movie of the year, was the killing of two lovers. Uh, this is a movie. This was like the first directorial debut from a guy named Robert Michonian. Uh, stars Clay Crawford, Sephadi Moffey, and Chris Coy. It is an extremely low-budget film. Uh, what I could find out was that it was made for $63,000, something along the lines of that. So very, very, very low-budget uh, movie. But um, it, just, it just oozes authenticity and just um, realness and just the some of the best acting I've seen all year. And I think this is the stuff that I really gravitate towards now um, as opposed to, you know, I think the Bradley Cooper stuff and just like, I don't know, there's there's something that people do that aren't either traditionally trained actors or actors that are, you know, struggling or it's their first big break. I think there's just some some authenticity, some sort of secret sauce in performances like that, that it, that I just gravitate towards more so than big bombastic performances, you know? Um, so this is this was yeah. really, really great. It's basically about a, a dad and a, a father and mother who are struggling or like separated and... The mother's seeing uh, seeing a guy, and they're you know they're trading the kids off every other weekend, and it's just a very uh, nuanced, very grounded performances by everybody involved. So I would h- highly recommend uh, checking that out. It's called The Killing of Two Lovers.
1: Okay, you'll have really to good. Put that one on the list. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, I did check out one you recommended called Cop Shop. Um,
1: from- oh yeah, what'd you think? <laughs>
0: it's incredible, absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yes, it's it's <laughs> so no, it's, good. One of the best uh, Gerard Butler movies I've seen in a long time. Great performance by him. I love Frank Grillo. He's just just incredible. One of those guys. Um, Just great uh, moments. The movie is made up of so many great moments. Uh, The scene where uh, I don't have the. Uh, the name pulled up but the guy that comes in he's like the psychopath with the balloons and he comes oh, up to the counter yeah. and he shoots he the guy in the head the
1: show, man. he really
0: does <laughs> he really does he's like shoots the first guy then the uh the ambulance guy to come in and he's like what's going on here what happened to this guy he's like he he fell over like he just fell over yeah <laughs> i mean
1: after i shot him <laughs> it's the other two guys
0: <laughs> yeah. oh jesus this is this is really really great yeah
1: yeah that, that's great yeah like i said it was one of my top movies of the year last year i just think just really great smart action that's really funny and it's you know it's one of those movies that's like shot for a couple million dollars but it seems like it looks like it has like an 80 million dollar budget but it really has like a five million dollar budget and it's got all these you know big names in it you know like frank grillo and yeah um and uh jerry butts and all these guys but you can tell they like took a lower paycheck because they're like this is a good script this is going to be fun you know yeah so yeah
0: yeah 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 really really like that uh, that movie. Uh, let me see what else we got here. Um, so I watched this movie called The Wolf House and I have the Wikipedia pulled up here. One of the most strange, disturbing movies I've seen in a really long time. It's a stop motion animated horror film directed by uh, Crystal Leon and uh, Joaquin Consina, uh, co written by Alejandra Moffat. Um, it is about... So it's ba- it's based on um, the Colonial Digitad, which was a an isolated... Colony of Germans and Chileans established in post-World War II Chile by emigrant Nazi Germans, which became notorious for internment, torture, and murder of dissidents during the military dictatorship of General Augusto Pinoch in the 70s, 1970s while under the leadership of... Of German fugitive Paul Schaefer. Schaefer was a follower and promoter of teachings of William Branham, whoever that is. But um, yeah, so the, the, this German, this Nazi German, goes down to Chile. Like every, I think everybody knows, like after World War II, a bunch of Germans went down to South America, Chile and Argentina, and head out there after the war to not be caught. And one of the guys that that went down there started this um, colony with uh, adults and kids and this is basically based off of like the stories the kids some of the kids would tell about trying to escape and the movie is about this one girl escaping to the woods finding this this abandoned uh cabin in the woods and there's this like wolf that's constantly like peeking in windows and you hear it barking outside so that's like a whole like whole like you know metaphor for her hiding from the from the Nazi Germans <laughs> that she's hiding from the from the colony that he started down there with them so it's a really really one of the most disturbing uh like looking things i've ever seen i don't know if you've ever seen like uh old tool music videos from back in the day, from the nineties. It had that sort of feel yeah. to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you get that's, the idea of that's what I'm talking trip. about. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah they would definitely disorder.
1: come on like, you know, I'd be getting ready for school and I'd like in high school and I'd turn yeah. on like MTV or something back when they used to play music videos and be like, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. Tool music videos and stuff. I'm like, all right, this is, this is not exactly Mr. Brightside, but. <laughs>
0: Yeah, very, one of the most disturbing things I've seen, but, but really well done, really well, um, you know, narrated, very very weird sounds. Oh, speaking of sounds, getting back to Killing of Two Lovers, very weird, uh, score in the background, like scratching, car doors slamming, some of the most, like, disturbing, uh, scores, background scores I've heard, you know, just get you in that mood of, like, just building up this tension throughout the movie. Very, very cool, uh, sound in the background (laughs) there. Um, also checked out Passing. This is the film directorial debut, I believe, of Rebecca Hall. Uh, stars Tessa Thompson and Ruth Negga. Uh, stars Bill Camp, Andrea uh, Holland, uh, and Alexander Skarsgård as a very plays a very uh, different character than he usually plays. Here, he's a very um, you know very charismatic and uh, upbeat guy. Usually, he plays very dark, disturbed characters. Um, so this is a really like great. Vamp- he's va- yeah. usually
1: a, like a vampire uh, Viking.
0: Yes, vampire, Viking, <laughs> or um, did you ever see um, what was it called? It was something like in the in the night, the night comes for us, or something like that. Um, I nah. think it was the second movie by the guy that did. Um, Chuggling to think of the guy's name, but he was really like just a scary dude, just a big <laughs> foreboding. The guy's like <laughs> six foot four or some shit, just a big, scary looking dude, but uh, plays a very different character here. Um, okay. Very well acted by Ruth Negga and uh, Tessa Thompson. Um, they play basically two women that are pretending to be white in 1920s New York City. One of them does, anyways. I believe Claire does. Um, her friend Irene is not. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting shot, very interesting. Um, sort of way of telling that sort of story, um, yeah. It's probably going to be one of one of the movies, uh, you know, nominated for best actor, best actress, supporting actress. Should definitely earn a directing uh, nomination for Rebecca Hall. I think I wrote a, wrote about this on Letterbox. Very light handed. Very. Um, you know you can't really feel her presence in the camera behind the camera there it just lets let's the scenes play out not a lot of cuts not a lot of camera movement so i thought it was really well shot so definitely uh, recommend checking out passing i believe that's on netflix currently
1: yeah that's a netflix original i've been meaning to check it out it's on uh you know i see it like when i opened netflix or at least i did when it first came out like mm-hmm. you know it shows that little scene of just uh alexander skarsgård and he's, mm-hmm. um you know talking to one of them and i'm just like how do you not realize she's black man like come on like yeah <laughs> i was just yeah. like all right whatever like <laughs> is, he, is he an idiot in the like movie i'm like yeah curious. kind of
0: kind of okay, yeah i kind of yeah, figured yeah.
1: that's how they were playing it looked like at least a little short clip that's how they were playing it so okay <laughs> yeah. yeah i know it's it's based on a book i've been seeing at work and hmm. so i it, yeah i it seems really interesting i need to check it out
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the movie I was thinking of that he was in was called "Hold the Dark." It was directed by Jeremy Saulnier, one of my favorite directors. He did uh, "Murder Party," "Blue Ruin," "Green Room." Um, so one of the best, one of my favorite directors. And that's oh. that was the movie. Um, Alexander Skarsgård was in. Plays a very uh, intimidating. I think he was a Iraqi uh, soldier or Iraqi. Um, uh, what do you call that? Uh, he was he he was in Iraq. He served in Iraq. Yeah, veteran. Exactly. So very disturbing movie. <laughs> that one too. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Also checked out Candyman, the 2021 remake. It was directed by Nia DaCosta, screenplay by Jordan Peele. I believe it was, it was produced by Jordan Peele. Um, I think the thing that I don't like about Jordan Peele and his, like, the things he, he makes and the way he writes them is, you know, the scariest thing is what's in your brain, right? The scary stuff is the unknown. Yeah. It's the things that you make up in your own head about what you're seeing, right? And I think the problem I had with this movie and his previous movie, Us, was that he just... just tells you everything tells you the whole background tells you how things came about the whole like reveal in us i felt like was just so heavy-handed and just held your hands throughout the entire thing didn't leave any room for any ambiguity ambiguity uh, of what happened there just told you flat out this is what happened and i think that's a big mistake in horror like you just let the people let people you know build out the world themselves of like who is this person what happened where they come from you know the origin of uh, you know, the origin of villains, the origin of scary people always makes them less scary. Just leave let people make up their own story about what you're telling here. And and this movie, not not to swell anything, but he does just go into such a detailed background of what Candyman is. Well there's like
1: five origins in the movie for yeah. Candyman, I feel like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just just such a, you know, just doesn't leave anything to the imagination. Like just let us make our own version of what this is, and it just by the end it just you know, tells spells it all out for you of what uh, what Candyman was, where he came from, and just makes it such a not less uh, just makes it such a less scary um, experience when you do that. So, fortunately, didn't. I really think that's like that. yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's a problem that a lot of like horror franchises run into when they you know start going on longer and longer is that they try to you know build up this deep mythology for the character, and that's why you know like you, in the first Halloween. Michael Myers is terrifying, you know, mm-hmm. and he's just like, he. what is this guy? He's this guy, you shoot him and he gets up and you don't know why he's evil. And then, like, by the 90s, they're like, ah, there's, like, a witch's curse and blah, 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 and he's got to kill his, like, Laurie was his sister. And that's why they keep, you know, they've rebooted that thing, like, three or four times or they're like oh don't oh like h2o like only the first two count oh and then they were like rebooted with rob zombie and then they rebooted it again where they're like yeah. now it's just the first one counts because they <laughs> keep having to they keep coming up with more and more lore and they keep being like throwing it all out and just starting over again you know it's the same thing with jason or you know candy man it's where they give you all this detail and i i saw this one i didn't see mm-hmm. i wasn't really familiar with the Candyman series so i couldn't comment on the history of this one but that is something that i feel like is a big recurring problem for a lot of horror movies
0: yeah yeah um you know interesting like ideas here um very gross like <laughs> body horror with him changing into oh Candy man, man.
1: it's just like a beehive half man yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah
0: yeah very very gross stuff but um yeah i just i don't know just just went you know it was, it's 90 minutes very uh you know mm-hmm. quick Quick watch. But yeah, Yeah. just he's like, wasn't he supposed to uh, Yo Yo Abdul-Mateen is the uh, character here who's becoming Candyman. And doesn't he go to his mother and be like, you know, I was born here. But then she's like, no, you're actually born over there. And you were born. This guy was your father. And it's just why do you have to tie? It's like the Marvel thing. If everybody's trying to (laughs) make this whole movie universe with everything tied into everything else. It's just like, no, this person can just be a guy that's experiencing the thing for the first time. They don't need to be tied into the mythology of it. So
1: it's yeah I was listening to something today and they were talking about like how everything needs to be a re-sequel. Like yeah. it has to both be a reboot and a sequel which is you know something I like you know if you can do it well but it is a very hard thing to pull off cuz it's like okay like with the Star Wars movies you've got to bring in back all like Han and Leia and Luke but you've also yeah. got to make it new you've got to be have like be a soft reboot so you've got to bring in a new cast of characters and introduce them and you're doing so many things and so many balls in the air that it is it is really tough to pull off you know and i think the matrix kind of ran into that same problem uh the new matrix film so uh, you know it, it's it's tough to pull off
0: yeah i think i think uh the term i keep hearing bandied about is legacy sequel of where all these movies yeah. are yeah. legacy <laughs> legacy sequel or all these things are just like yeah none of, none of those actual movies happened uh, terminator uh dark fate did that um the new uh halloween kills did that it's just yeah just mm-hmm. Man, have you seen the trailer for the new uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No. <laughs> Looks terrible. Looks absolutely yeah. fucking terrible. There's a scene in a bus where all these kids have their phones out and fucking Leatherface comes on the bus and like, we're going to cancel you for all that shit you just did. It's like, oh, my fucking God, you did not just do that. <laughs> Please tell me you did not just say you're going to cancel Leatherface. What the
1: fuck? <laughs> Oh my god! That like some. It feels like something that would be like on a f- bad Fox News thing. They're like, yeah. they're trying to cancel Leatherface now. Can you believe it? Shut <laughs> the fuck up, Tucker. <laughs> oh
0: man, I did. I did really like uh, your next. I checked this out this uh, past couple of weeks. That was really good. I really liked your uh, discussion yeah. on your podcast about that. Really great, smart. Like um, the thing they do with this is you have the main character be a very smart final girl, but you don't make it like. The, the reasoning behind that wasn't like I grew up with brothers, that's why I can do all this uh, military <laughs> stuff. It's like no, she was in a weird like was she in a cult or a um like she,
1: a yeah like a survival cult in Australia like yeah. that's like, just one and two right there. You know, like you're gonna survive anything if you grow up <laughs> in those situations.
0: Yeah, yeah, really great backstory building there. Really great smart final girl, and I felt like it does get into like it's it's very, un, you know, realistic and it's very uh, pointed. I don't want to say commentary, but it's just like at the end she's she finally murders the the last guy and the cop comes in and shoots her and is like, yeah, unfortunately that is what would happen. <laughs> it, <Yep>. sucks. <laughs> yeah. it sucks that she got shot. She didn't die, but then the cop comes in and gets yeah. fucking uh, smushed with the, uh, the axe there at the end. But yeah, unfortunately yeah. that is how that probably would play out in real life. But yeah, very, very good and movie. movie. I really it like in that. In yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, really, really, you know, ahead of its time, you know, in, com- in terms of A cab, you know?
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so let me see. What else we got here? Had it all in order, uh, but I kind of get out of order here. Uh, Bergman Island is a fantastic movie I saw um, just recently starring uh, – directed by Mia Hansen-Love, starring Vicki Creeps, Tim Roth, Mia Waskoska and Anders uh, Danielson lie. He was in another movie uh, I want to talk about called The Worst Person in the World. Um, but yeah, this is really great. This is just about um, a couple, married couple doing like writing, writing a play on uh, where, uh I forget the guy's first name, but uh, Ingmar, where Ingmar Bergman lived and worked and filmed a lot of his stuff there. So very just like cool, like relaxing hangout movie um, on a Swedish island with Swedish people, beautiful-looking Swedish people, uh, really well-written, really, really well-acted by Tim Roth and Vicky Krapes. Um, But then uh, Mia Wasikasa comes in at the end. Really, really great movie. I would highly recommend watching that, watching uh, Bergman Island. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. What else? Coda. Coda is a movie I saw that is uh, directed by Sian Hader. A lot of... (laughs) <laughs> tough to pronounce names here amelia jones Hi. eugenio derbez and troy kutzer um, this is a movie from this year it's on apple tv plus uh came out um at the sundance film festival this year it is a um, movie about a girl who is hearing and her, but her family is deaf also stars uh Marlee matlin uh, prominently, uh hearing impaired actress. Uh this is really great. I feel like um it was a little bit too twee for my taste, you know. I feel like mm. uh, I felt like going into it would be more like gritty, grounded like um uh with the movie that uh, Chloe Zhao made before uh, Eternals. Um Oh, but, Nomadland? Uh, Nomadland, but the one the one before that was Collision. Ja-
1: Mat- she's from Children of a Lesser God, right? She it, she got yes. the uh, Academy award for that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, she's she's really great, and this whole family is really great. They have really great chemistry together. Um, so the movie I was thinking of was called The Rider. It was a movie from 2017 that uh, Chloe Zhao made with uh, non-professional actors <clears throat> about a, um, a horse rider that got injured and is trying to get back on the horse. Uh, so I thought it would be more grounded uh, like that, but it's still very good. Really, really great. You know, it's one of those like um, you know the girl wants to go and. Uh, pursue art p- go to an art school but she wants to, she's feel pressured to stay home and take care of her uh, the family business that sort of thing but uh, you know it's very much one of those yeah. but it is a really really great uh, one of those so that's on it's uh, an Apple TV Plus
1: I need I need to watch that one because you know I'm very you know I, I know sign language in, uh, in high school like I uh, took sign and uh, you know knew some people in the deaf community and stuff and mm-hmm. always been really interested in that you know especially when it's something where it is somebody who is a hearing person who is kind of like you know, kind of gets introduced to the deaf community because, like, that's how I was. You know, so mm. like last year's Sound of Metal is a movie that really resonated with me, and um so you know, this is one that I've, it's been on my list for her since I I heard about it. I ha- just haven't gotten a chance to check it out yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, really, really, highly recommend uh, watching it. Really great performances by her and by everybody involved. Really great movie. um uh, So yeah. let's get to what you've been watching. You watched uh, Nobody this week.
1: Yeah, yeah, this was uh, this is just a solid action movie. You know. Um, because it yep. just finally got put up on HBO Max, and it's been one of those movies I heard—you know—it was in a couple of my friends' top five lists. I heard, you know, just good things about it. It's basically just kind of another John Wick movie. It's just a yeah. John Wick movie <laughs> with Bob Odenkirk. You know, it feels like it really could be in that same universe. Like you could see, you know, like John Wick walk by in the background, and I'm like, oh, that's Keanu. there he is. You <laughs> yeah. know, like, the, you know, it's. Did you see it or?
0: Yes, I have seen this. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, it's just. You know, you Bob. Odenk- I think it's just the, the strength of the script. It's a really smart, funny script, and then just really great actors. Of course, Bob Odenkirk is just like he's. I did not know he's a beast. Like I'm like, <laughs> dang, you know, like you should not let a Walter White push you around. Like, this, that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I thought it was just like a solid, good action movie. Good way to you know spend like an hour or two. Um, so this is not like one of the best movies of the year or anything um, in my opinion, but enjoyable yeah. for sure.
0: Yes, yeah. It's really, really, like I said, really great action. Uh, Bob O'Kirk is apparently a great action uh, actor. He can yeah. do all that sort of stuff. Who yeah, who knew? Exactly. He's,
1: he's comedy, drama, and action. He can do it all. <laughs>
0: yeah. Really, I think he's go back to the thing we were saying before about like building out universes and trying to make everything more, mm-hmm. more deep than it has to be. But I think this did a really good job of, of sort of uh, dipping their toe into like an expanded universe, but not quite diving in all the way
1: yeah 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 no he gives you just enough to he's like all right i was i worked for these three letter and you don't know like his whole backstory but you just get to see the little glimpses like okay this guy was a badass you know you so i I really did enjoy that
0: nice speaking of poltonis amberson uh with the licorice pizza you checked out uh phantom thread this week
1: yeah you know i kind of got on a pta kick because of phantom thread so i was like all right let me go back or because of um licorice pizza so let me go back phantom thread is you know, one of the movies that I've always heard is really, really good of his. And I watched it and like I don't know, like it's been a f- just consistent thread, I think, so far, of just uh no pun intended, of um just like <laughs> problematic relationships slash grooming, yeah. you know, and I was just like yeah. wait a minute. Like, is this like fan of third, is this sweet is that relationship like good or is this super fucking toxic? Oh no, it's super fucking toxic. <laughs> yeah. Okay, dude. But like, God, it was one of the most like it was just The acting in it is incredible. Like Daniel Day-Lewis always just kills it. Um, You know, I thought it was a really interesting just character study script, just like really cool period piece. And this is some costume porn. Like, oh my gosh, (laughs) this looks like, because it's obviously about, you know, a, a, um, a clothing designer, a dress designer. And man... Seeing just like all it's just like looked so good, like the whole the cinematography, too, and just everything. It was just a pretty film to look at, like if mm-hmm. nothing else, like you could watch this movie movie on mute and you would still have a good time.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is uh, speaking of Vicki Crepes. She was great in this as well. Um, Johnny Greenwood score was incredible, as always. Um, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the problematic relationships, it does. It's just, I feel like it's such a weird turn at the end of just like, uh, her poisoning him with the, with the, um, with the, with the omelette there, with the mushrooms there, then yeah. him being like, just like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be your little sick boy. I'm gonna be your little yeah. sick boy in bed and you can come, uh, take care of me, mommy. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. Just a weird, like ass, yeah.
1: He's been emotionally abusive during the whole movie. She, and yeah. she she, oh, she poisons him. So I'm like, I guess that balances out. I don't know. Like, what the
0: fuck? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like you said, I think it did win uh Best Costume Design at the Academy Awards that year and definitely deserved it. Um yeah, just just overall very, very solid movie. Really like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh so you also caught up on the tragedy of Macbeth. What'd you think of that?
1: I, I really liked it. You know, I thought it was Really, some really interesting choices because uh, it was. It did seem like kind of when you watch movies that are based on Shakespeare. Sometimes they're like, okay, like the previous version of Macbeth that they did um, a couple years back with Michael Fassbender. um, It's very much like this is a movie. Like we're gonna like make this Shakespearean play like look like a modern movie, and it is one of the most impressive looking movies you'll ever see. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and like even stuff like the way they deliver their lines. It doesn't feel like stage delivery. It feels like you know delivery for a movie and just the blocking and everything this one. And sometimes you'll see like, Oh, this is very like something like the King speech. This is just, you know, they filmed the play pretty much. Yeah. Uh, this feels like it's hitting a really interesting middle ground that I haven't really seen. I can't think of any other movie that does this where it's like there's like sets and stuff like that, but they're still doing movie stuff. And I think it's really interesting, you know, because I know Macbeth so well, because it's, you know, arguably the most famous play in existence. And it's also the only play that has a character who's got my name in it, Macduff, uh, who, <laughs> spoiler alert, something that came out in the 1500s, kills Macbeth at the end. Yeah. Um. So I'm always excited to see a Mac- Macduff, you know, kill him in the end uh but yeah i i I thought it was cool you know it's obviously gonna do a lot of it does some really interesting stylistic stuff like Mm -hmm. when especially when it gets like more of like here's some weird cohen shit you know where it's like he's got this cup in the water and he looks at the lady's face and like the all the witches you know when he's talking the witches and there's one and there's three uh i thought that was really cool and then just denzel doing shakespeare like you, you can't beat that like yeah. he's he's like one of the greatest actors of all time. And he's just like, you know, he's got this bravado, you know, he's got this kind of like cockiness, but like he's he's you know, he's he's still Denzel, he's still like, what's going on here? And so just seeing him step into this role of this kind of like tyrant king and just that scene. The sword fight where he just mm-hmm. like knows he can't be killed and he's just like fucking come at me man he's just like <laughs> the guy's just at him and he like he just he cuts his face and he's just like oh i don't care i don't get any he, and he gets his sword and he just tosses the sword right back to the guy and he's like one more and i'm just like fuck what a badass like that was so fucking cool like so i i really dug it you know it's it was a it was Definitely, probably, maybe my favorite version of Macbeth, film version of Macbeth, I would yeah. have to say.
0: Yeah, yeah, really great. Uh, Catherine Hunter as the uh, the witches was incredible. Really yes. interestingly, uh, interesting uh, physical choices she made there. Uh, let me ask you about Frances McDormand because I feel like a lot of people are talking about her as the weak point of the film because, like you said, with uh, acting across from Denzel, very bravado ish, very um, charismatic guy. I feel like you hire francis mcdormand to do sort of the same thing i feel like she was very much restrained she was very um sort of what's the word like uh hamstrung in this role mm-hmm. because she couldn't do her usual like very grandiose performance do you, do you agree with that
1: see i think it's because yeah i think lady Macbeth is you know kind of a more she's very she's the kind of calculating you know one who's just like Macbeth is starting to lose it. He's starting to unravel, and she's got to be the one who's like, kind of, we got to hold it in. But, you know, if you can tell, she's kind of coming apart when she's like, th- thinks she's got the blood on her hands. Yeah. I don't know. One thing that I think might be because I thought she was good, you know, like, you know, I wouldn't write home about her or anything, but I thought she she did a pretty good job. I think that the reason that people might be, you know, saying that she's not the greatest is because I think that the best part of the 2015 Macbeth was Marion Cotillard in the same role. Yeah. I thought she was just so good in it yeah. that whoever comes along next, it was just, you know, you're going to get compared to that. It's like, you know, Heath Ledger is the Joker. Everybody's going to compare Joaquin to him. Um, and I know, I guess Joaquin won the Oscar, but still, you know, nobody's ever going to beat Heath Ledger in that role. Yeah. So I think it is the same kind of thing where it's like, you know, no matter how good you do, somebody did six years ago, did it so well and I think that was the that was honestly my high point in the 2015 Macbeth was her her portrayal. So I think it just maybe didn't live up to that. That's yeah. my theory.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think it, it reminded remind me a lot of like Jennifer Lawrence in Don't Look Up from The Shiro. So, like, you know, you hire Jennifer Lawrence to do a certain thing. And I feel like that role mm-hmm. didn't call for it. So I'm just, it's a weird thing to, you know, hire somebody for a role but not let them do what they do, what what they're known for. It's a, I don't know, a very strange uh, casting choice there.
1: Yeah, I uh, think it was just for that. She just got cast for that one scene where she's got to like wash her hands. But also she's like, mm. you know, a major collaborator of the Coens. I think she actually co-produced this film with Joel Coen. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, you also checked out uh, Ted Lasso season two.
1: Yeah, because I got um, Apple TV, and I was like, all right, well, now I need to catch up on all the content Mm. on it. So, you know, Tragedy of Macbeth, and then I went into Ted Lasso Season 2, and I I really dug it. You know, I was a really big fan of Ted Lasso Season 1, and I liked that they went a little bit darker with this season. You know, like, it's kind of like everybody has been describing it as kind of like the middle chapter of this three thing, like the Empire Strikes Back, where things get a little darker. Characters take some turns you aren't expecting, which I appreciate, you know, because... Okay, like, everybody's kind of, like, Happy Dory, you know, Hungry Dory at the end of the first season. They, they lose, but you can get relegated. But you know what? He brings the kind of, quote-unquote, villains into the fold, you know, uh, the owner and then Jamie Tart. And this one, you know, some characters start to take some dark turns. It shows that, like, even to Ted Lasso's positivity, there are limits, you know, to... And it, it touched on a couple things that I think, as a really big sports fan, uh, were are really important. Uh, two of the main ones being uh, just the way that we handle um, mental health in sports yes. is a really big issue. And I love the kind of like, it, they bring it up a little bit in season one, but it becomes a lot more prominent here in season two. It's a major storyline. And I think that was, that's really important. Um, and then also they kind of address the protest in sports. And, you know, there's kind of a parallel to Ka- Kaepernick taking a knee. Mm. Um, you know, there's the whole Sam storyline. I liked that Sam, uh, had a lot more to do this season. All of his storyline, I thought, was really, really interesting. Except for maybe Danny, I thought I really liked, who didn't have a ton to do. And they just kind of like gave him a little bit at the very first episode and a little bit in the last episode. Felt like there was no real connective tissue. But pretty much everybody else, I really enjoyed their arcs. I enjoyed Jamie's arc with his dad. You got that beard episode that I thought was yeah. kind of like a weird interesting you know, Diversion, um, and then, you know, all Ted's stuff, obviously, and Rebecca's. Uh, so, yeah, uh, really, really love Ted Lasso's season two and excited to see what they do for the next season.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree as well. Uh, one of the best things I saw this year. Um, yeah, really really excited to see, like like you just said, um, you know, is there going to be like a, <clears throat> a heel Face turn? Is he gonna go bad? Is he gonna come back? Is he gonna just double down on his uh, on his turn and just try to beat the shit out of uh, Ted Lasso uh, yeah. next season? To be very very interesting to see, yeah. Uh, and finally, you checked out uh, Citizen Kane. Was this your first viewing of that?
1: Yeah, I'd never seen Citizen Kane before, so yeah. I was like, you know what? It's about time I I hit two thousand movies on Letterboxd. I was like, well, I gotta watch something big to celebrate. And, you know, this is so many the top of so many lists, like the AFI list. And I was like, you know what? It's about time, you know. I, I just never got around to it. And there's never been a moment like, let me sit down and watch this movie from the 40s. You know, but but I decided to do it. And it's a good movie. <laughs> like, I, I get why people yeah. like this movie. Like, <laughs> this, this is a solid movie. Yeah. You know, and I think it, it has aged incredibly well. Whereas you watch a lot some stuff from then and it's just like, okay, the, this doesn't look so great. And I think a big part of it is because it invented a lot of our you know modern you know film language you know the way that you know we shoot scenes and stuff like that but also i think aside from that i'm you know much more invested in kind of the writing side of film and i think that this was an incredible script with the kind of how it jumps back and forth and you know shows the kind of rise and fall of this character and how he was just somebody who he he wanted love and he wanted um you know everyone to just like Appreciate him, and he didn't really have anything for anybody else. And he started off as a really idealistic guy, and he became mm. kind of corrupted and more selfish and stuff over the years, and lost his ideals. And you know, really, all he ever wanted was Rosebud. I just, you know, and like I knew that going in, like the whole Rosebud thing. But yeah. you know, actually seeing it play out for two hours was was really impactful. And man, Orson Welles, he he, you could have plucked him like some of the people in it. You like see it, like that's an old timey performance there. Like they're the newspaper guy who keeps. Pupping his lips out he's like pff, 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 pff. i was like that's like some old-timey <laughs> performances right there yeah. but like or- orson wells he felt like he could have been plucked out of a movie in 2022 and yep. just put right in like he's so just felt like a like naturalistic real acting and and especially you know you see him kind of they like the age makeup looked really lame because it it's in black and white but it looked really good <laughs> like you kind of see him like progress over the years and his character progresses uh and his physicality like changes so, yeah, I mean, obviously, this is not news to anyone. Citizen Kane is a good movie. But, uh, you know, if you're like me and you're planning to be a film buff and you haven't seen it, you know, do it already. So just just it's on HBO Max. Just get it over with. Watch it. It's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the first one of the first conversations we had was about, like, you know, going back and watching old movies or so, do some of them feel like homework Do some of them not feel like homework. Um, this definitely does not feel like homework. It, it, it definitely oh, yeah. moves. I think it's what, like two, two and a half hours. But uh, definitely doesn't feel like it. Um, yeah, like you said, really great performances by Orson Welles. Um, did you see Mank from a couple years ago?
1: I did. Yeah. So I was talking about this with somebody because I watched Mank with somebody, and I was like, we talked about how I hadn't seen uh, Citizen Kane, and I was like, well, I still get enough of the touchstones to get a lot of the stuff that Mank is doing. But like now, I'm like, okay, so this this room here, that's what that was in Mank, and that's what this was, and okay, this shot, how yeah. it did this, it all kind of comes back together, <laughs> and ah. Oh, Shia LaBeouf is clapping just like he did. Well,
0: I knew that one, but still. <laughs> yeah. Um, loved Mank. Um, the thing about, you know, this movie is from like, what, 1930, was it uh, 41. 30, 41. So it's like, you know, 60, was it 80 years ago now? Um, you have the character William Randolph Hearst, who, who's played by Charles Dance in Mank. And I feel like it's one of those mm-hmm. things that, you know, Hearst was like this big, gigantic, larger-than-life villain in this movie and in real life and it's like oh that was like 1940s there's no way his his company's still around today no it actually is and it's very impactful (laughs) on the way that we still consume media today like all this stuff that Mm -hmm. this black and white movie from from 60 70 years ago is still so relevant relevant today because it's shit never changes (laughs) i think we talk about things like that are prescient and and things that are or forward-looking and i think it's it is part of that but it's also shit just doesn't change (laughs) it's not it's not (laughs) things that are are predicted or things that are uh you know you can predict things that are coming in the decades it's just things shit does not change so i think it's you know both both things are true there so yeah yeah, i really like the one thing yeah go ahead
1: uh, one thing that did that did change though is that he had a sex scandal, and then you know that ruined his presidential chances. So, oh, you know. yeah,
0: true, true. So I
1: guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the one thing I was like, oh, like come on, nobody would, nobody gives a shit. We've he, seen that in action.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think we were talking. I was talking to my friend about um, about Hamilton about how he had his like uh, political career ruined because he had to pay a woman off to have an abortion. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, that's. Uh, that's a thing that happened like four years ago that that didn't uh, stop Trump. So, <laughs> you know, it's like $300,000 to pay Stormy Daniels to have an abortion. Yep. That happened. It came from this. Yep, it's the same yep. thing too of like the money came from Hamilton's uh, campaign fund. The money came yeah. from Trump's campaign fund. It's fucking just repeats over and over again. <laughs> uh, yep. let, let me see. Before we get to Red Rock, there's a couple of things I forgot to put on my list here. Uh, what did I watch? I watched Summer of Soul. Uh, or when the revolution could not be televised it is a 2021 uh, documentary directed by Amir Thompson. Do, do, do. Oh, Questlove, yeah, the Amir Thompson is Questlove's uh, real name. Uh, about the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival. So this is one of those things where, but like with this and with um, Jesus and the Black Messiah, so many things that are coming out now. Just like yeah. This just happened and nobody fucking remembers it. This is another thing of like just, you know, keep talking about things repeating. This is another example of things just happening, big, big things happening in the world, in the country, in history, and just not being told about it. And this is a happened the same year as, um as, uh, what was I just saying? Uh, Woodstock, you know, but of course, you know, Woodstock is all white performers, white promoters, all this stuff, but because it's black people got completely buried for like 50 years, I guess, Questlove found this footage a few, like 10 years ago. And it's been, uh, methodically making this, uh, since then just incredible footage, incredible, um, you know, contextualizing everything. This The the thing, again, the things they're talking about then are the same things people are talking about now. Cops killing uh, black men, unarmed black men, um, you know, telling, this is 1969, so this is six years after uh, Kennedy's assassination. This is one year after uh, Robert Kennedy was was murdered, uh, a few years after King, a few years after Malcolm X. So all of that um, is in here, just, uh, you know, interviewing people about that. Um, I think, what was the movie they had... um, Whitey and in the moon where is that where is that song from was it from the um Paul 11 movie i know there was something where they said you I know they know. they had protesters outside oh
1: of- oh oh yeah it's um it's um uh, uh first man
0: First man thank you yeah so it's just it gets into that stuff because this was this took place like the same day as the moon landing and they talked to you know white people across the country oh yeah we love it we love being on the moon it's so exciting for technology blah 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 they talk to people here and just like I don't give a fuck <laughs> put yeah. some of that money into put some of that money into schooling into medical care yeah. into yeah. housing into all this stuff and it's just like yeah absolutely absolutely um, agree with everything they said um, great performances by young young people that we now think of old uh, Stevie Wonder Nina Simone Fifth Dimension <coughs> Gladys Knight Pinky uh, Pinky Williams Sly and the Family Stone so many great performances really great footage really great backstory really great uh, narrative that he's, he's weaving in and out of here yeah this is one of the best documentaries I've seen in a very long time
1: nice and this is is this uh, from mu- Music Box uh, Bill Simmons' uh, Ringer's um, kind of a documentary yeah. series they're doing with HBO that's okay a good yeah because f-
0: yeah, yeah that's a good question I don't know it yeah. was on Hulu uh, let me see was on
1: Hulu okay then it might it might not be
0: yeah yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure but uh yeah highly highly recommend watching this on hulu
1: yeah Yeah. because it just reminded me of what you're saying about like uh, i was watching a couple months back when i watched um peace love and rage the documentary on woodstock 99 and there's this Mm. moment where it's this guy you know talking and he's like yeah he was one of the like writers basically you know Mm. and he's like yeah we were all a bunch of pissed off white dudes and he's Mm. like you know because it was like you know the cops showed up and they were uh, like, "Oh, please calm down." You know they they peacefully yes. asked us to leave. And like, this is a guy who was like participating, and he's like, "He's like, yeah, I was there." And it's like, "I if this, if, you know, we had been black, and this had been, you know, a hip hop like festival, and it wasn't Fred Durst up there, you know, yep. like we would just like it would have been a, like horror." Like he's like, "I don't even want to imagine." But we were just oh, they were all very very polite to us because it was just like was, like hundreds of pissed off like white guys in their early twenties. So like. You know, nobody messes with us and Just like exactly all that stuff you're saying.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we're we're recording this in uh, February 2022. And right now, there's like this convoy in fucking Canada that they're holding up, Ugh. like you know, thousands of uh, you know packages and uh, uh, what do you call it? Just infrastructure and and food and all this stuff. And they're just like, we don't want to wear masks. Fuck that. <laughs> and all the cop, <laughs> like you said, the cops are just like, yeah. Can you uh, chill out, please, sir? Uh-huh. Please don't do this. This is bad for us, for the country. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They've been, they've been just because they, they showed they, they um, they juxtaposed that with there was a First Nations uh, protest a few years ago up in Canada. And they're just like throwing tear gas and rubber balls and tasing people and it's just like, yep, yep, exactly mm-hmm. the same shit. Mm-hmm. So uh, why don't we get to a review of Red Rocket? Uh, but I first, want to mention uh, I Tanya. I saw uh, this week. Uh, very good. Uh, wait, wait. Too many music drops. <laughs> I'll say quickly about that. Uh, every every other like five minutes, there's some, some music drop from from that time period. Uh, really great performance by um Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, uh, special Stan is in this. Plays a really great um character in there. Uh, Bobby Cannavale is in here. Alison Janney, one of the best performances I've ever seen uh, from her in here. So yeah, recommend watching Titanic because right. I saw that this was the thing that played after um, Summer Soul on Hulu. So I checked that out real quick. So yeah, very good. Have you
1: seen Have you seen *A uh, Price of Gold*? I have not. So yeah, that's the thirty for thirty documentary that covers the same subject matter that also partially inspired the director. To kind of make I Tanya, and so I think they're kind of interesting companion pieces, you know, because one is like documentary, one's a fictionalized version of it. So I'm right yeah. if you yeah if you enjoyed I Tanya, I'd say definitely check out Price of Gold. It's a thirty for thirty documentary.
0: Nice. Where where are those? Are those on uh, ESPN? Are those on Hulu?
1: I think yeah, those are I think those are on ESPN Plus. Some of them are on Hulu now. I think so. Yeah. um Like I saw an ad pop up for Four Falls of Buffalo on Hulu, um, which is one of my favorite thirty for thirties. So I think yeah, I don't know if all of them are, but definitely some of them are on Hulu.
0: Nice, nice. Definitely check that out. Uh, So let's get to Red Rocket. This is the new Sean Baker film. Just came out um, this year. They had an A24 screening that we checked out um, tonight. Um, so this is the third, I believe, the third um, feature film directed by Sean Baker, director of Tangerine. He did Tangerine, I believe, in 2016 and then 2015. Then a couple years later, he did The Florida Project with William Dafoe and one of the best uh, child performances I've ever seen. Um, so that was really great. Uh, what is your history with Sean Baker?
1: So I, I know him, like I, I knew Tangerine because when it came out, like people were like, oh my gosh, this movie, like this guy came out of nowhere, he shot this movie on an iPhone and blah, blah, blah. blah. So it was kind of like a really a kind of a, I knew about it like technically just kind of being a huge breakthrough and it's like, okay, now people can just kind of make movies on their iPhones and make it big, you know? And then Florida Project is another one that I didn't see, but I was, you know, very aware of because, you know, it kind of like is... Disneyland adjacent and just kind of like touched on like the cultural impact and the economic impact that it had on, you know, people who could not be able to afford to go to Disney World, but they're right, they're able to hear it. Um so I didn't it wasn't able to check any of those out, but I knew his work. Um but so this this is the first time I'd actually sat down and watched one of his movies.
0: Yeah, I've seen um Tangerine a few years ago when it, I think it was on Netflix for a while, one of those. Oh, Brooklyn Prince was uh, the the actress in uh, Flora Project. She played Mooney in that. One of the best uh, performances I've seen by uh, by a child actress. Um, So those were very, the Tangerine and this were very like, you know, uh, uh, sort of not glorifying, but sort of like, you know, showing people in um, very destitute, very uh, impoverished situations and sort of putting a... um, you know lens on them but a uh, sort of a positive lens on them uh red rocket is complete opposite <laughs> this is yeah. people showing a guy uh played by uh simon rex as mikey sabre <laughs> mikey sabre yeah. let's see let me pull up the actual wikipedia here real quick
1: i was about uh, to say like i think that they switched this movie title with another title that came out this year which is it should have been called the worst person in the world
0: <laughs> it really should have been right <laughs> jesus <laughs> Um, so yeah, this star is Simon Rex, Brie Elrod, and Susanna Saad. Um, this is basically about a uh, ex-porn star. Like I, I think he's out of the industry or something. And then he goes back to his ex-wife living in Texas and just kind of hits her up for money. Um, goes out and starts selling weed to uh guys that work in the oil field oil rig workers uh that are like next door and then about halfway through the, through the movie he uh meets a young girl 17 year old girl who he starts uh having a re- relationship with and he's got to be at least what 35 36 37 probably yeah he's,
1: i think he's like at least 40 you know
0: yeah he's definitely pushing it there so Every scene after that, I was just cringing, cringing the entire time. Yeah. (laughs) I've watched a few movies lately and a few, a few movies in the past few years about con men, about just the most disgusting, uh, men and women just trying to con people. Uncut Gems was this, uh, Boiling Point was a little bit of this, but just this is probably one of the most disgusting gross people uh i've seen in that uh, type of movie um uh, apparently the the actress was you know she's 26 so she's obviously you know consenting to do it but just just makes it feel gross <laughs> throughout half this movie um so what did you what is your overall yeah. impression of red rocket
1: no i, I definitely had the same vibes as you did like where every time like he would come on i was just like he was giving me like prince andrew vibes it was like yeah. or like you know i was like oh my god this guy's like grooming her. like this is like some epstein shit like it just got, like, really bad anxiety. I was just like, ah, oh, man. Like, it was, but, like, I think you're you're supposed to dislike this guy. He's supposed to yeah. be a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. And, you know, like, there's that stuff where he, like, basically causes the car crash. And you're like, oh, is this going to get him? You're just kind of like, you know, it is, like you say, that kind of, like, anxiety building of, like, uncut gems. over like, when is this thing going to happen? This guy, like, when is he going to get what he deserves? And when he does, you're just kind of, like, good. Like, run naked down the street. Just, like, have no money. Like, really... I was kind of like, what is the movie trying to say? And mm. I, it's I, probably a movie that I think I need to think about a lot more, especially after that ending, which is very ambiguous. And I'm not <laughs> sure if it was supposed to be like, I think it's supposed to be a dream, but I don't know. And like, not a dream, but like, he's imagining it because it seems very, very dreamlike. And but also, you're not really sure what's going to happen next. And yeah, like, it's just kind of an interesting character study about this awful, awful person. And I'm like, is this political? Because they're showing a lot of like stuff about the 2016 election. And I don't know what they're saying there. I feel like I need I need a lot of time to process this one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do as well. Like you said, um, they have that. Moment near the beginning of the movie where he's rolling joints and he's watching the TV and you have Trump on there specifically saying Mm -hmm. America is a country of dreamers and believers. So it's just like showing his face, showing uh, Mikey's face Mm -hmm. there. So just like yeah, okay, I get I get what you're saying there. Like
1: (laughs) America is. And then he's smoking the joint. Yeah, uh, so the American flag.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, we are that. I think people yeah. need to stop saying we aren't this. Like, we aren't school shooters. We aren't fucking drug dealers. <laughs> we aren't this, that. Well, this, you know, we are. We are that. <laughs> the you yeah. know, the CIA helped build drug cartels in the in Central America. You know, with, with the CIA for a long time. We are that. We we push drugs everywhere. Yeah. The pharmaceutical company pushes drugs on Americans all the time, just for profit. Mm-hmm. Yes, we we are all all of that. <laughs> I think. We need to, yeah. We need to own that. I think that's probably a lot of what he's saying here is like, there's so much ugliness in the world in this country. It's just like you need to wake up and look at look at this because it's it's really really bad. Um, I thought it was interesting. I was watching listening to Filmspotting when they were re- re- reviewing this a few uh, months ago, and they were pointing out the scene again near the beginning where Mikey is swapping out this old ashtray with a new one, but he doesn't take the old cigarettes out. He just moves them to the new ashtray. Yeah, tray.
1: I like, thought that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, Throw those away. <laughs> what <are you>
0: doing? <laughs> I thought that like maybe it was intentional or unintentional, like metaphor of just like you can change the mm-hmm. shell of the thing, but the inside's still gonna be shitty. Mm-hmm. You know, you can try to change your life, he's trying to move on, he's trying to start a new life down in Texas after being after leaving uh leaving LA the way he did. But it's just like this metaphor of like, yeah, you can you can try to change your your life, you can try you can try to change who you are, but on the inside you're still gonna be shitty. So I thought that, that was interesting. And he's getting pissed off he's like getting out out. scammed by all these different people. The guy, his friend is doing like stolen valor shit at the mall. And it's like, what, what was the, what was the scam even? Like, what is he doing there? What was he trying to do? I think he's just
1: like, he's just like, Oh, veteran. Can I get some money? You know, type, type of thing.
0: Yeah. Very weird. It's, it's so funny. Like, I think that another thing you're trying, you're you're saying like, what is the message here? I think that's part of it, of him just like being around all these other people that are just like him. And he's, Mm -hmm seeing it, I think a lot of times people don't recognize their shitty behavior until they see it in other people. Like he's seeing this guy trying to be a, a he's a fake veteran. He sees, um, what was the other thing that he was pointing out? They're like, oh, you're, why, why the fuck would you do that? Was, was it his wife or somebody was excelling like something that she wasn't supposed to be? There's some. There was some other example I thought I forgot of like somebody else doing a thing, but he was like, you can't do that. That's fucking shitty behavior. And it's just like, dude, look at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> this whole movie, if I could sum it up in, like, one sentence, this is, like, Magic Mike on ketamine. This whole yeah. – <laughs> it's, like,
1: a or porn actor. Or how he get so jealous that, like, you know, his kind of girlfriend is a little – like, has this other guy who she's kind of seeing and, like, he that, he's still yeah. sleeping with his wife. Like, like what? The yep. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Just a just huge – such a fucking hypocrite.
0: Huge hypocrite. And it's just, like, yeah, that's – I don't know if if you we're trying to make a statement about America that that is that like us mm-hmm. us saying to other countries don't do what you're doing is we're doing the same fucking shit yep. <laughs> we're not yep. we're not any better than any other country doing bullshit and it's like well you know at a certain point somebody's got to stop doing the bullshit <laughs> um, yes yeah, liquorice pizza great, has,
1: great use of in sync though too I it, will it say was, great use yeah. of just bye 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 recurring. Yeah. That, was, that was cool
0: <laughs> I finally pulled up the Wikipedia article here and they were saying how they, they finally got the rights to this movie late late in production uh, let me see I had it pulled up here somewhere but yeah they were saying that they finally got the rights to it after the five of them uh, gave her, gave permission to do it, oh here it is securing the rights to the song Bye 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 was not part of the initial budget, all five members of NSYNC had to approve its use, actress Susan Son recorded a cover version of, of the song for the official motion picture soundtrack so that was interesting uh-huh. Um, Yeah, just just very. I don't know there, when you when you see people like are non professional actors, which they clearly had here. Does it take you out of the movie at all to see that sort of uh, performance?
1: I think it depends. You know, on I mean, sometimes non professional actors are are not great. Like you're yeah. like, oh yeah, I can tell. You know, like when you see like watch a sports movie or something, and then you have like athletes or something in the roles, or you watch like a military movie and they put like actual military guys. Sometimes mm-hmm. that can be really rough. Yeah. Um it can work sometimes uh in in the right like as if it's utilized well. Um which I who was who it who was a non-professional actor in this?
0: I I'm I'm trying to look and I I think most of these people a lot of these people are I think that a lot of people had credits as like, you know, NYU trained people but haven't actually done a lot of uh actual, you know, acting. Um okay. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't his friend. His friend seemed like super off the friend that was like, uh, pretending to be a veteran. Um, I'm trying to find the person's name, but yeah, they, they all seem like seven Rex. I think what has been a working actor for the past, like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you can feel that in his acting. I feel like the, the people that, you know, the, uh, the people that he he was selling weed for, they all felt very awkward, but I don't know, maybe Mm -hmm. that's what their uh, intention was to be, to look that awkward. You know, everyone around him seemed to be like just acting um, off of him. You know what what I mean? He was, he was like the gravitational Mm -hmm. pull. That was just, everyone was just, I think like the director was just like, you know, react to him, wait for his line and then react to him. I felt like um, more naturalistic dialogue would have had them, you know, uh, speaking before he was done talking, I feel like a lot of that um, lends to a more authentic, um, you know, depiction of, di- of dialogue between people is when people, you know, hmm. interrupt other people. But, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, the, the Soderbergh stuff, you know. Yeah, exactly. That kind of thing.
0: Um, So, I mean, yeah, like you said, I definitely have to uh, digest this more. Um, very <laughs> off, like very, like I said, the other movies that uh, Sean Bigger has done – has a much more positive spin on destitute people and this is just i don't know where he's at uh, mentally or with this country or with just life in general but it was a very hard right turn from the other movies that he's done have you have you seen uh forger project
1: no i need to
0: yeah it's very it's such a it's such a weird hard turn because that movie very much you know the, the the people in that movie were running scams i think at one point they were like uh buying things from the dot from the dollar store and then going out in the corner and selling them for like five dollars so uh. you know there, there are aspects of red rocket and in Florida project in that terms but this is such a <laughs> one of the hardest movies to watch and i want to talk to you about like intentionality like you said the guy is such a piece of shit and do, do you feel like a movie needs a uh sympathetic character to be i don't know successful i guess you would say
1: no, because I don't, I don't think, you know, that I would, I've been listening to this, I listened to a podcast about Fight Club, and it's been mm-hmm. something I've been thinking about recently, It's just like, I don't think movies should teach morality, and you know, I think Fight Club is a movie that a lot of people take the wrong way, or you know, something like Nightmare Alley, like, this is clearly a bad dude who, like, you know, he's not doing things well, and both this movie and Red Rock, both uh, Red Rocket and Nightmare Alley are movies where it's like, yeah, these are unsympathetic unsy- characters, and I think that that can be just as valuable to see someone and being like, this is not a good guy. I should not be like them as much as, you know, watching something like, oh, this is a Ted Lasso. I want to be more like Ted Lasso or I don't want to be like the guy in Red Rocket. Mm. I think it is a little bit tough when you have something like the Wolf of Wall Street and people take the wrong message from that. Like, oh, I want to be just like Jordan Belfort. I'm like, no, you're missing the point of the movie. You know, but I don't think that art should just exist to, you know, teach morality and that you know it's on the artist to kind of make sure that they're heavy handed make sure everybody gets it because then if they're heavy handed like don't be like this guy Mm. then it does kind of it doesn't come off well you know it comes off like very preachy and you don't want that
0: yeah I I agree completely I think you know there are people like this in the world and I feel like Movies like this and books like I've been reading a lot of uh, Cormac McCarthy recently. He read his uh, *Child of God* and that character and that. If you read that book, holy shit, the things he gets up to in that <laughs> book, my god. But yeah, I think you know you have to show people that there are people like this in the world because I've I've run into people that are just have so no morals, just so hateful, so so racist, misogynistic, and I think it's really important to sort of um, expose yourself to that behavior before you see it in, in real life because I feel like. A lot of my reaction to people that I've talked to that have that sort of point of view, I've had this like buffer of like, okay, I know this, I know the language, I know the mannerisms, I know sort of the, the words that they're going to use a really horrible language, really horrible outlook on life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like watching things like this and listening to podcasts and listening to, you know, s- seeing the behavior before you actually engage with it, I think helps a lot in sort of sort of all over the place right now but it's when you when when you engage with the public right p- people in the public can be absolutely horrible i worked like 12 years of retail Ugh. yeah and i think you know not having a buffer like having a uh, being prepared to um engage with actually absolutely horrendous people can really fuck you up psychologically so i think movies like this are really helpful in like i said just giving you um experience by proxy of seeing people like this so i don't know if, if yeah. that make any yeah. sense
1: no, I worked a, i worked a custom or in a yeah customer service during the pandemic so uh in yeah. retail so uh, yeah. I, I get it <laughs> I, I get exactly what you're saying
0: yeah yeah so yeah not a great I don't know <laughs> like i said I'm still trying to process I, it but yeah yeah
1: I, I think I think it i it was a good movie not a great movie and yeah. you know not one that I would probably ever revisit you know yeah. like I don't yeah it, and it was you know, not even something like The Last Duel is a movie that I think was a movie that was a tough watch um, that I won't revisit. But I do think that it was really, really incredible. Whereas this one, I think like, oh, it's fine. You know, a yeah. good movie that's hard yeah. to watch. So, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Really.
0: What really, do you what do
1: you think of the yes. ending?
0: So um, just looking on the Wikipedia, they, they're saying it was a he said, Mikey, imagine seeing her dressed in a red bikini. And that's. So I guess, you know, technically, I guess they're, they're trying to say that was, okay, uh, that's uh, kind of it? the
1: vibe I got. Yeah. Cause it seemed like she was, v- that was very, like the way it was shot was very much just like a fantasy. Yeah. Um, So I'm like, okay, what happens when she actually walks out? Does she actually walk out? Does she not leave? Does she go get her job back to the dentist? You know, I do like ambiguous endings. So I would just kind of like, but I, yeah, I'm just curious, like hmm. what they were trying yeah. to say. So yeah, I they mean, ended it that, like uh, that.
0: <laughs> i don't know like what do you think i i think yeah it was probably probably correct that it was a uh imagination he probably he probably imagined that um i don't i don't see him actually doing that i don't i don't think that like <laughs> like he walks up there um and her parents are probably going to be home if he, actually, if he if he actually uh walked up to the, to the house there after everything that he's been through after everything that happened i don't see her actually walking out like that um yeah, it'd be very interesting to see what the actual outcome of that would be, but yeah, no, that was in my mind. Uh that was definitely a hallucination on his part.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I don't know, maybe 3 out of 5 you would say? Interesting Yeah, movie. that's probably
1: what I would put it. 3. Honestly, yeah, 3 out of 5 like Yeah. You know, it's it's a sol- it's a pass, you know. It gets it on the pass fail scale, it gets a pass, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Definitely interesting to watch the uh, not not upset that I watched it. Um, so yeah. as we're coming to the end here, I, yeah, go ahead.
1: Uh-huh. I was just, saying, I I just kind of, I don't, I feel like this is what exactly what you're talking about with, um, you know, uh, um, uh, sorry. What was the yeah. Guillermo del Toro movie? Uh, Nightmare Alley. Yeah. Like how you're talking about, like, there's always these movies, like this is going to get nominated and then mm-hmm. people are going to forget about this movie in three years, you know? Yeah. I uh,
0: would be interested to know if, uh, I think Pro- Florida Project got, got some nominations, but yeah, th- things like this, I feel like this. And things like um, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always and The nest, which are some of my favorite movies from like last year and two years ago. Um, I don't I think they are going to fly under the radar so much that they don't even get nominated. This is probably this seems like something that I don't know. (laughs) I don't see. I don't see. um, What's the guy's name? Uh, to, to, to Simon, Simon Rex. Yeah, I don't, th- yeah, Simon, I don't oh, think Simon, uh Sean Baker's gonna get a nomination. I don't think Simon Rex would get uh, acting nominations. I don't. Maybe uh, supporting actress for uh, the mother or the, or the girlfriend, maybe. But I think movies like this and never really sometimes always smaller movies, low budget uh, independent movies, tend to get really overlooked at the Oscars.
1: Yeah, yeah. I be, I feel like you know this one. I feel like it's been getting a lot of buzz. Like mm. you know that it's gonna probably. With a nomination, but it could, it could. I don't know, Who
0: knows? yeah, yeah, it's, it's gonna,
1: it's, we'll get the, what the nominations are coming out the day after this drops, right? So, I guess yes. we'll see pretty quick,
0: yeah. So, I'll put this up, I'll put this out on Monday. So, I think Monday are the nominations, so this will be coming up today as you're listening to this. Um, so as we wrap up here, I want to mention I wrote up uh, another <laughs> top ten list of my best films of 2021 because last last time we talked we were talking about how you know movies are coming out very late, people don't have chance to see them before they're nominated. Um, so I wrote up a list there on. Sherman.medium.com. so check that out there. Um, so some of the movies that I have on the list, in no particular order, <laughs> the worst, <clears throat> the worst person in the world, fantastic movie, highly totally recommend checking that out. Um, that one would probably get, um, you know, best international feature nomination for that, for Yakum uh, Trier. Uh, For director, hopefully, you know, again, this is a movie I really, really, really like the performance by the main actress um, in that. Um, So I would hope she gets a nomination. Um, Boiling Point is a movie that I think probably won't get nominated. Very, very well done. It's a one shot movie. Took place in one shot. Um, Hope Stephen Graham gets nominated there. But that will probably fly under the radar. Uh, the souvenir definitely is going to fly under the radar. That's not going to yeah. be nominated for anything, even though it was one of my favorite movies from this year. So, um, yeah, definitely go check that out. Um, so, Derek, what have you got to plug this week? Yeah, to the podcast. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, my podcast. So it comes out um, you know, every other week. So usually I think it's the same day that this one drops. So, after you guys listen to this one, uh, go ahead and check out my podcast, Underrated where we talk about, speaking about under movies that have flown under the radar, we talk about a lot of movies that have flown under the radar or underrated for whatever reason. So it's on all the podcast apps, underrated, uh, or just look up undercast company and it'll come up.
0: Very cool, very, very cool. Um, so anything else uh, we didn't talk about yet? Any other movies, TV shows you want to mention?
1: I think that about does it for everything I've seen recently. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah,
0: that's yeah. it. Um, Let me see. I had, uh, real quickly, Edge of the Knife was a movie I watched this week. Uh, it was like a indigenous movie filmed by indigenous people. That was interesting. Give that a 2 out of 10. I'm watching a lot of movies now. Just to talk about like the, um, the documentary I watched about um, folk horror. Uh, let's see. It was called Woodlands, Darkened Days, Bewitched. I wa- I'm trying to watch more, um, you know, folk horror things like that. So I checked out uh, The Edge of the Knife, which was mentioned as one of the best one of those. It was it was okay. Also some classic uh, horror stuff. I'm watching uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Finally checked that out. It was the 1920s um, silent movie. It was okay. It had a lot of German expressionism. Um, you see a lot of like, uh, you know, what was that um, other side? That music video by the Red Hot Chili Peppers heavily inspired by oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that was just a couple of things I've watched this week. So, I think oh, one but, thing that I yes. have been
1: watching, yes, I was yes, gonna yes. say the like this week, I've been watching because they're back the Winter Olympics. So, I've been watching oh, nice. a ton of that. Uh, and then, uh, because of the Winter Olympics being back, I also watched Eddie the Eagle. Um, uh, and that's the movie we covered for my podcast this week. So, if you oh, like nice. Eddie the Eagle and if you like the Winter <laughs> Olympics, uh, take a listen to that.
0: <laughs> nice, nice, very cool. Uh, I also checked out, uh, let's see, Devs. Devs is a uh, TV show from a couple of years ago. Um, starring, uh, let me see here. Pull it up real quick. Cast is Nick Offerman from The Office. Got Alison Pill. Great, great performance by her. This woman named Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Um, woman named Sonoya Mizuno. She was apparently in La La Land and Ex Machina. Um, as I'm watching her, I'm just like, I really wish this oh. was, yeah, I really wish this was Carrie Coon because she looks exactly like her. <laughs> Very uh, <laughs> similar acting style as well. So, yeah, she's really great uh-huh. in that. I'd highly recommend watching watching Daz. I think it was like a 8 or 10 uh, episode miniseries on FX from a few years ago. That was really good. Okay. Yep, yep. So, I believe that that will do it. So, for Can I Say Something, I've been Damien.
1: And I've been Derek.
0: And I'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.